0: You ever had a question that you wanted to ask God? Sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people and they go, "When I get to heaven, I want to ask God this." And I say, "I don't think you're going to heaven. Not in that. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, y'all. Help me, help me today. Anyway, so I don't think I don't think you'll have that problem. So anyway, um, but there have been several books written. There have been uh, lots of uh, just. Things on the internet, social media, just questions that kids have asked God, and I'm going to share some with you. Questions that kids ask God: God, will you tell my mom and dad to give me a puppy? Now, that doesn't get any sweeter than that, does it? Will we have our own room in heaven? This is spoken from somebody who's sharing a room, isn't it? How do you get all the stars in the right places? Was the giraffe an accident? (laughs) Who draws the lines around the countries? And then finally, God, I was at a wedding and I saw a man and a woman kiss. Is this okay? I want you to think like if you had to ask God a question, we're in a series called Questions Jesus Asked, where we've been looking at just, uh, just different questions. Um, you know, and I've said this every week, uh, some of the Jesus questions seem absurd. Some of them are in your face. Some of them are just, um, just so um, transforming that he has these questions that would stop people in their tracks. All the questions we've taken so far have been questions that Jesus asked people. We have one question in the New Testament. I'm almost positive. We studied, I'm almost positive. I could be wrong, but one question. If you find out I'm wrong, it's okay. I've been wrong one other time. So anyway, so, and here's the question. Why have you forsaken me? That this was the question that Jesus asked God. Why have you forsaken me? Man, what a question. Think of all the things that you, you could, you could ask Your dad. And you got one question. You got one question to ask. And I'm not saying that Jesus never asked any questions. Just in the scriptures, the only account of any question we have is this question right here. Why have you forsaken me? Now, the word forsaken is not a word that we use very often. We don't use it very often. And so I'm gonna define it for you. The word means to abandon. The word forsaken means to abandon, it means to renounce. It means to turn away from Uh, there's the synonym for forsaken is the word quit. Like you quit on me that, that, that when Jesus was asking this, why have you abandoned me? Why have you renounced me? Why have you quit on me? That, that this is a heavy question. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a heavy day. And it's a, it's, it's just a heavy, heavy day, heavy question. And so we're going to look at the scripture and talk about what, what was going on. So here we go. Now the sixth hour. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Jesus is on the cross. He's been up there for a while, and it says that the darkness it started to get dark. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, "Eli, Eli, lava sabactana." That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Heavy, heavy question. Jesus on the cross. He's been there for hours. He's been beaten, tortured. You've heard me say this, that if we were to watch crucifixion today, we would not be able to stomach it. You would turn away. You would change the channel. You would say, I can't do this. You would tell your kids, hey, don't watch that. You don't want to see that. That's how brutal it was. And Jesus is on the cross. And in this moment, he has one question, one question to his father. Why have you forsaken me? So what's going on here? Why is this important? Today, here's the point of the message. It's the point of the whole day. That God treated his son like a sinner so that he could treat sinners like you and me, like sons and daughters. I'm gonna say it again. That God was treating his son like a sinner so that he could treat sinners like sons and daughters. So let's look at it. The first thing is this, Jesus' darkest moment Jesus' darkest moment is the same as ours. Jesus' darkest moment is the same as ours. Now, have you ever had, some moments seem dark. Some moments seem dark that when you think about them and you go back over your life, there's moments uh, that just seem dark uh, that uh, maybe you experienced loss, loss of a loved one. Loss of a, a, a job, maybe loss of a, a relationship that, that just, there's moments that just, they seem heavy, they seem dark. And, and, and the truth is, is that a, a, lot of, a lot of us live our lives in anticipation of these moments And we want to avoid them at all costs. Like if you you were made fun of as a kid, when you think back of that moment of being made fun of for something, maybe you didn't have the right clothes on, maybe you tripped and fell and people made fun of you and they laughed at you. But we think of these moments as dark. Jesus had some dark moments. When Judas betrayed him, you ever had a friend betray you? stab you in the back it's a dark moment when Peter denied him Peter said Peter said I never I never knew him you ever have a friend let you down it's a dark moment when all the disciples deserted him when they came and took him prisoner all the disciples ran they deserted him have you ever been there He felt like, man, I needed help and nobody was there to help me. It was a dark moment for him. He was rejected by the crowd. You know, Jesus had done so much good that he healed people, man. Crowds were coming around and like when he was feeding them, when he was healing them, man, everybody was his friend. But in this moment, they all rejected him. It was a dark moment. When he was laughed at, They mocked him. You ever been mocked? Ever been made fun of? It was a dark moment. When he was physically tortured on the cross, when they pounded nails into his hands and feet, man, that was a dark moment. But none of these for Jesus' darkest moment. You see, Jesus' darkest moment is the same as mine and yours. Because in each one of these moments right here that I mentioned, Jesus had his Father with him. Jesus had his Father with him. But at this moment that we're about to come to, the moment that Jesus knew was coming, he was not going to have God the Father. He was going to face God the Judge. Now, I'm going to talk about this. It's going to be heavy. The scripture says that from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land. Now, darkness, the scriptures use metaphors a lot. And one of the metaphors they use for the absence of God is darkness. Darkness. That this, this darkness came over and, and, and we know through history that this was not an eclipse. This is not something that just happened because of weather related, that it was cloudy, that God made this happen. God's making a statement that things are about to get dark, that I am coming as the judge. And it was dark. As a matter of fact, to show you the opposite of this, exactly what I'm saying in scripture here, show the, the next scripture show the opposite. It says, this is a message we have heard from him and can proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That when it was dark, God was making a statement that things were about to get dark for Jesus. And that makes no sense in some ways because we know God is a loving God. We know God is God, the father, but God was not coming as God, the father, God was coming as God, the judge. And he was coming to serve justice. And then we pick up the scripture in Matthew 26. It says, in going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What was this cup? When I was younger, when I was even new to, uh, in ministry, I, I thought it was the physical torture that Jesus said, man, I don't want to be tortured. If you could keep me from being tortured, if I, if I didn't have to go to the cross, if I didn't have to get hands and, and, and crucified and nails in my hands and feet and, and everything like that. And, and I, I'm not saying that Jesus wanted to do this, but this was not the cup that Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about the cup of wrath. Now, wrath sounds like a hard word. We think of the word wrath, and we think of somebody who's overbearing. We think of somebody in traffic who we've cut off, and they're doing this and doing that or whatever, and we call it road rage or whatever. And we think of God being this wrathful God that it's it's overwhelming, overbearing, and it's, it's just out of control. And what wrath is, is this. It is simply justice being served for the penalty that has been Transgressed, and so Jesus was asking, "Is there any other way that I don't have to face this wrath?" He says, "Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you." So let's talk about wrath for a second. See, God was going to have to treat Jesus like a sinner in order to treat us like sons and daughters, which means Jesus was going to face God's wrath for you and me. Now that may sound like, well, you know, just, that doesn't seem right that why would God be wrathful? Because we have this sin where we have this thought about sin, where sin is categorized, that if you steal a grape from the store, it's not the same as, as robbing a bank. And I would agree that's not the same in our legal system, but in God's eyes, it is exactly the same. That God says, if you've broken one law, you've broken them all. That's what he says. That's what he says. He says, if you've broken one law, meaning that if, if you've done one thing wrong, then you've done everything wrong. As a matter of fact, the, the, the scriptures uh, paint a picture of us that is contrary to what we paint ourselves. We say this like, this: he's a good person. He's a good person. Man, he's a good person. She's good. He's good. She's good. They're good people. We say this. They're good people. They're good people. And the scriptures say there's no one good, not even one. That we are not good people, that the scriptures don't paint us as good people. The scriptures paint us as being sinful, that we are sinful people. And if you've committed one sin, then you've committed them all. Now, you may not agree with that, but that's what the scriptures say. And the scriptures also say that the wages of sin is death, that because of your sin and my sin, that we are to die. We are to die. Because we've sinned, we have to face a God who is just He's a God who is just and we have to face his wrath. And it's not this anger wrath like this overbearing mean parent wrath. It's just the appropriate response to sin. Now years ago, we had just started this campus. And there was a murder that took place where a young baby, a big young baby, a baby, it would be in a kind of baby, a baby was murdered. And I remember seeing the post on Facebook of people that I knew in this community, some people that I had gone to church with in this community, and they wrote things like, you'll get what you deserve. Rot in hell is what some wrote. And I'm going to present something to you that you are not going to agree with. Because of your sin, that same fate, is yours and mine. You get what you deserve. The wages of sin is death right in hell. So your darkest moment is the same as Jesus. Hear me on this. Your darkest moment is the same as mine, that you will have to face God the judge and not God the father. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, then you are gonna have to face God the judge. You are, you're gonna have to face him. You have to give an account for your sin and the account for that is death. The wages of sin is death. And if man, if we had to end right here, it would be a Debbie Downer day, wouldn't it? The second part is this. is that God would not save Jesus so that he could save us. When I was a kid, I went to church with a friend of mine. um, And so I didn't know a whole lot about church. But I knew this. There was no children's church when I went to church. That's how old I am. There was no children. You remember those days? There was no children's church. You sat in the service with the adults, whether you're elementary age and everything, and you sat in there. And honestly, it was some tough sledding for a kid. Tough, I mean, tough sledding. King James, 45 minutes of a guy railing, nyet, 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 singing hymns that I didn't really understand the words to. I know you may not understand the words, but I'm talking about singing hymns you couldn't understand the words to. And I'd be sitting there some days like, man, what in the world's going on here? What is, and you're like, if you're wondering why I went, it's because we played football afterwards. Played football after they took me to lunch and we always played football after. That's why I went. But one day, They sang this hymn and and the preacher told the story and the hymn went, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called 10,000 angels. Cam, I'm getting loose, man, I'm getting loose. You're gonna need me one day. And the preacher said he could have called 10,000 angels and they could have fought for him and he could have come off that cross And I was sitting there as a kid going, that's the story right there. That's what God, God, you got it wrong. This is a way better story. If Jesus would have come off the cross and the angels would have kicked some booty, (laughs) that would have been a great story. That would have been awesome. As a kid, I was thinking, that's what should have happened. And he could have done that. But God would not save Jesus. Jesus. because he wanted to save you and me. See, a price had to be paid. A price had to be paid for your sins, for my sins, my sins in the past, my sins in the present, my sins in the future, your sins of the past, your sins of the present, your sins of the future. A price had to be paid by just God. And God would not save Jesus so that he could save you and me. And so I'm gonna walk you through some scriptures here. And as I'm walking through, I want you to think for a second. God watched Jesus die. He could have pulled him off that cross. He could have sent 10,000 angels. But that's how much he loves you. That is how much he loves me. That he watched him die. That he gave Jesus the wrath. so that he could save us. Let's look at it for a second. This is, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are making his appeal th- through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled for, for, to God. He's, he's imploring us, hey, man, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You've got to have Jesus Christ. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He says, he made Jesus to be sin. Jesus took upon our sins. The one who never sinned became our sin. Everything that man you are ashamed of and embarrassed about that You would die if anybody knew about you. The moment you had that man you just man you are so glad nobody's there that you would, nobody saw what you were doing, what you did. That is the moment that Jesus Christ became. And that's what he died for. Praise God so that we might become the righteousness of God. He, listen to this, who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up, abandoned him. For us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? He gave him up that God was not gonna save Jesus because he had to save us. And then finally, the last one is from the Old Testament, where just this prophecy about Jesus written hundreds of years before. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Listen to this. But he was pierced. This is written hundreds of years before it happened. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace And with his wounds, we are healed. That God would place all that on Jesus, that Jesus would not be saved in that moment, that Jesus would die so that you and I could be free. So that you and I could be saved. Now that make make no sense to you. I heard a story this week, actually my son Mitchell put me onto it uh, about a girl who's, caught speeding. She went before the judge and justice said she has to pay a fine. And so the judge says, here's the fine. You've got to pay this amount. And after the judge hits the hammer on the table, he walks down, he takes off his rope. He gets his wallet out and he starts to pay the money. You know why? Because the girl is his daughter. In that moment, he is both judge and father. Same thing is with God. That in that moment, he is judge and father. And listen, you and I do not want to face God the judge because we're not good enough. There's not enough good works you and I could do in the world. We couldn't work hard enough. We couldn't memorize enough verses if that's what it takes, or do enough good, or give enough things away. That it, the requirement was a life for life. The wages of sin was death and Jesus was the life that was taken. Which leads me to the point of today's message that God treated his son like a sinner so that he could treat sinners like sons and daughters. I'm going to share a scripture with you and I'm going to Put a slide on the screen. I want you to catch us. I want you to hear us. There's a scripture right here. It says, talking about this very thing. Paul's writing. He's talking to them and just writes a blunt. But the whole point of what he's writing is this moment right here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That if you have Christ, you're not going to be condemned. If you have Christ, you're not going to be forsaken. If you have Christ, your eternity is heaven. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ. In Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That though you and I, man, if we got what we deserve, we would get death. But because of Christ, he's given us grace and mercy that we have life. That's what he's telling us. So I've got three statements right here. I want you to hear it, hear me, Dennis. I mean, you're not forsaken. I don't care what's happening in your life. Listen, hear me, hear me on this. No matter who you are, you are not forsaken. You've not been abandoned. Jesus said, "Never will I leave you, or forsake you." Same thing as this. You're not condemned. That you know who you are. I know I am. I know the things I've done. I know the things I, I, I'm ashamed about. I know the, 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 the sins I've committed, the mistakes I've made. Guess what? I am not condemned. And when Christ looks at me, when Jesus looks at me, I'm forgiven. And you are too if you have Christ. Because God chose to treat Jesus like a sinner so that you and I could be children of God. And here's the last part, man. We've been set free that it is the most freeing thing in the world is to accept Jesus Christ. You have been set free, free from sin, free from death, free to be who God created you to be all along, free from guilt, free from shame, which leads me to this. What do you do with a message like this? What do you do with a message like this? How do you respond I could only think of one word gratitude. Man, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what Christ has done for me. I'm grateful that God treated Jesus like a sinner so that he could treat me like a son or a daughter. And so I want to close the message by us partaking of the Lord's Supper together. We do this every week. And if you don't have the elements that are in the back, feel free to get up at any time and and grab it. But it's a little container, listen, of some bread and some juice. But man, it is a powerful reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And I'm going to give you a moment to reflect, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to walk through what it is. It's a piece of bread that represents Christ's body on a cross. You know, somebody who is a, a good person may be willing to die for you, but, no, but look, I think we would all agree, probably not ever. Much less someone who had never sinned to die for a sinner. Someone who'd never make an, made a mistake, who never failed to die for a failure, to die for a person who's made mistakes. Someone who'd never blown it, to die for people that blow it all the time. That's the Savior we have. That's the love of Christ. That's the love of God in your and my life. Man, he was willing to do that. And then you got a little cup of juice that represents Christ's blood. When I was in elementary school, I busted my head, playing basketball at a friend's house and my head was bleeding and they, I said, man, my head hurts. I said, your head's bleeding. I said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. I touched it, looked down and saw my blood and ran the whole way home crying. You know why? Because we know that when there's blood, that's a big deal. It's an even bigger deal in the Bible. The Bible says that we are cleansed by the blood of Christ, that his blood cleanses us. Listen, not not just forgives you, cleanses you, makes you right, makes me right before God. And so I want to give you just a moment to express your gratitude in whatever way you want. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that's okay. It's just something we do, something we believe. You can just sit here in the moment but we're gonna, we're gonna say, we're gonna express our gratitude. So I'm gonna let you do that for a moment. Then I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna partake. Father, we are so unworthy. If we're honest, we know the magnitude of our sinfulness. We know that we're not good. We don't have it all together all the time. We make mistakes. We, we willingly sin, we unwillingly sin. We just do the wrong thing. But Lord, in this moment together, right now, we say we're grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for loving us, that you would let Jesus take our place, that he would bear our sins, that he would face our punishment, that he would die. And God, I thank you that he didn't stay dead that the hope of the gospel is that he took our place, he died, but he rose again, reminding us that that is our fate, that one day we will rise to be with you. So Lord, we say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would take your bread, this is his body, which was broken for you. This This is blood which was shed for you. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. We are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.